This is episode 66 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm really grateful that you're here today because we are about to kick off a new series on kindredmom.com for the month of November on a humble life. This topic really draws me because I have found motherhood to be a very humbling experience in many ways, but also full of sacred, holy, beautiful moments as I have this front row seat to seeing my children develop and grow their interests and their ideas. And so I just love this angle as we head into the holiday season, thinking about the things that we're grateful for. And the beauty of a humble life is definitely one of the things that I am grateful for. Today's guests include Jenny Van Winkle and Lynn Patty, two of our Kindred Mom team members, as we talk about what this looks like in our own lives. And following that conversation, I have a beautiful, beautiful interview with Shannon. Shannon Martin, who's the author of a book called The Ministry of Ordinary Places. This book is really fantastic, and I definitely recommend that you pick up your own copy and read it. Shannon's interview was just lovely. I appreciated her insights and the delicate way that she shares her heart and what she has discovered about landing in a new place that is different than what she might have imagined herself to be, and I just really appreciated her interview, so I hope you enjoy it as well. For the month of November on Kindred Mom, we are going through a series on the beauty of a humble life. And this is one of the things I've been looking forward to these past several months as we've been preparing all of the things we wanted to talk about uh, on our blog and podcast this fall. And so I'm really excited to have two of my good friends who are on our Kindred Mom team, Lynn Patty and Jenny Van Winkle, here to talk about this. Ladies, welcome. Hi there. So good to be here. It's nice to be back, Emily. And hi, Lynn. I hope everybody's doing well. Yeah. That's one thing I love about this is just being able to reconnect. And I think before I started this podcast, I had this dream and longing to have be able to share my friends with each other and <laughs> conversations that I would have with one to share with another person. And so it's such a beautiful mm-hmm. fruition of that longing that I had a long time ago before this even mm-hmm. was a thing. And so anyway, today we're going to be talking about the beauty of a humble life. And this topic is really near to my heart because of my journey as a mother has been a very humble existence, a very humbling existence as well. And this year specifically has been probably the hardest one that I can remember in my adult life at least. And so there's a lot of layers that I'm coming to this conversation with, being so grateful for the children in my care and the life that I have, and also just the struggle and the wrestling with certain things being as they are. And so I am hoping that as we jump into this, that we can capture both the beautiful things about being a mother as well as uh, what is challenging. As we talk about this, I would love to just start by talking about the in-between moments, how there are lots of milestones that we celebrate, rightfully so, um, but there are a lot of spaces in between those milestones and celebrations that 
are incredibly important in the fabric of our children's lives, as well as in the formation of our perspective and our character as mothers. And I would love for you to tell me what are the in-between moments to you? Oh, everything that I don't think of in the moment. Like, what do I feel like I need to report at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Like, I never want to talk about any of the in-between moments because a lot of that, a lot of the time, those are the moments that I'm just taking a breath or I'm just mm -hmm. feeling like I am coming up for air or re refocusing my mind. Mm -hmm. Very important things when you start thinking about when you have the opportunity to take a breath and mm -hmm. refocus your mind. That's a big deal. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's not something that you can really have. Like that's luxurious yeah. in some, in some ways. And so like someone, my husband asking me, how was your day? I wouldn't report on that. Mm -hmm. And for me, those are in between moments that I forget about, but are so critical to doing my mm -hmm. job as a mother. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, I think so. somebody once, I took a class one time or something where someone was talking about, you know, think about these big things that have happened in your life. And if you were to put them on a line, you know, kind of line them up, oh, this big thing happened here and this one here. And, you know, maybe I was probably 30. And at that time I had maybe like four dots, you know, four big things that had happened. But the rest of the line... Yeah. <laughs> is my life. Yeah. Like the, the yeah. dots are not the life, you know, you live the life in between the dots. And as, as mothers, mm. I think, you know, whatever our line looks like, or our dots look like, there's a lot of in between lines and there it's, it's where the living happens. Yeah. No, that's very true. And I think that ordinary moments are more holy than we recognize a lot mm -hmm. of the time. And that's one reason why, even though this year has knocked me on my rear end <laughs> in a lot of ways, yeah. and even though that has not been very fun for me, I do see things from a different vantage point sitting on my rear end. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, it slowed the pace of our lives down a lot and has made me really think about the pace of life. And, you know, I, I used to think... And not that long ago, I used to think that this is just how it's supposed to go. Life is just cooking along at a really fast pace and we got to keep up. We got to do the next thing. We've got the next season coming up or, you know, even yeah. just preparing for the week ahead or, you know, what's coming tomorrow, all this anticipation. And I am really aware of how I either get sucked into that or sometimes I'm the person driving that because I have all these plans for what I think we need to be doing and filling up our schedule. And it just has made me realize how ragged we can get, how easy it is to railroad the holy moments right out mm -hmm. of the picture because we're just busy trying to stay on the tracks. Yeah. And I would love for you guys to share about what the pace of life is like in your home, where you are now and what you have learned th through your years of mothering. How do you approach setting a pace of life in your home that works for your family? Well, I feel like the pace of my house is, is, changing right now. Like we're transitioning from mm -hmm. having newborns and mommy, you know, mm -hmm. having to nurse and get up at night and not be fully, uh, physically able to be, 
present yeah. to, um, um, you know, now I, I do sleep through the night with my, all of my kids sleep through the night, which if you're listening out there, it is possible. It does. And, um, it's incredible. And, but so what that means for us is that our pace might quicken a bit. And I think I have to be on guard about that. I have to make sure that I'm sheltering time and space and downtime for the kids and for me. But at the same time, we might be able to say yes to things that we couldn't a year ago mm-hmm. because it wouldn't kill me to not take an afternoon nap, right? right. Like, <laughs> I, I can be out in the afternoon now. So um, definitely the age of your children dictates some of that. Yeah. Do, do you feel like that took you by surprise, Lynn? I couldn't believe how quickly it was. My, my youngest baby weaned in June and he's, for my kids, at least they just don't sleep through the night until they're not nursing. So it's just, that's how it is all five. And so yeah. I can't believe how quickly I have like kind of become myself again, if you will, like, or become a different version yeah. of myself, whatever you want to say. And, um, it, it, it is surprising and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels great. It feels great to be in a different season. Yeah. I find that as my kids are getting older, their, ab- their ability to do different things allows us to do yep. different things mm-hmm. as a family. And, and that freedom can sometimes feel like, oh, wow, like the world is opening yes. up to me, <laughs> all these things. Like, you know, as every stage you go through, when your kids learn a new thing, it, it comes with these new freedoms. And then it comes with all of these what ifs and concerns. <laughs> that you're like, oh, I didn't know that I needed to baby proof my house because <laughs> yeah. now they weren't moving and or they weren't moving and now yeah. they're moving. And so it's exciting, but it's all also something to keep vigilant over. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's that way with mm-hmm. every new stage. I don't, I don't know if I do a very good job at trying to, I guess, set the pace for my family other than trying to organize our mornings or the times that yeah. we're all together to, to be productive and also a time that we're not hurrying, but we're connecting because as our schedules just keep sort of sending us out to the periphery of our little home unit, those times to connect are very, very scarce. Yeah. And they are really increasingly more important. And so for me, I feel like trying to calm myself, mm-hmm. calm and help sort of create that environment is what yeah. I feel like my job is. Because yeah. inevitably, if you mom know, is frenzied, the children will be, right? Yeah, we set the tone. And as much as we, I mean, we are kind of the metronome of, at least from in my experience, I feel yeah. like I am the metronome of my household. Mm-hmm. So, Well, Emily, you've been through mm-hmm. so many transitions. What does it look like for you to set the pace? <laughs> yeah, I think that... I am naturally inclined to fill up space and to fill in time. Like, just don't really like things to be idle. I don't like things to be mm-hmm. left open, I guess. And it's taken me a long time to recognize the beauty in the unscripted times and the, I don't know, we've been spending a lot less time with our TV on because I just, I don't like the energy for lack of a better word that it brings into our house that it just kind of changes the dynamics and I also have been 
really limiting my use of my phone because I don't like how that takes over my attention. Mm. <laughs> uh, I silen- yeah. I silenced the notifications on any of my social media apps so they don't even alert me when I have messages, which yeah. has been so freeing um, because I can mm. still go check them whenever I feel like it, but at least it's not pinging me and, you know, ding, no. ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, <laughs> trying to like... And I honestly, like a year ago, I would have been like, I would never have done that. <laughs> but um, just being so much more aware of the importance of my presence and the presence of mind that I bring to the time with my kids. I just, I don't want to miss it. Like I'm kind Mm. of now in the middle years where I have some little kids and some bigger kids and, you know, it's only five years before one launches out of here. And I just feel really, really aware of that time approaching and not as a a way to like get worked up about, oh, the time is ending, the time is ending, because, you know, there will be new adventures even after that happens. But I am aware of how precious this time is and how I just want it. I want my attention to go to the right things and not be wasted on things that are just not the important things. And so as far as specifically setting the pace, I have been trying to get my whole family to slow the pace of things as well, um, which expresses itself Mm -hmm. in every aspect of what we do as a family. We're trying to slow down when we're cleaning the house that it's not a mad dash to do it all in 20 minutes. It's take your time, do it well, try again, put that where it belongs. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, before this year, really, I really just, tried to get it out of the way as fast as possible, which kind of led me to not really teaching them like specifically how to do certain things. (laughs) It's not like, I mean, I didn't just turn them loose and say, figure it out for yourself. But I have a friend who very graciously and sweetly, I had been sharing my frustrations with her of like, my kids do not follow through on any job ever. (laughs) It just really bothers me because I'm trying, I'm trying to break it down into small pieces. I'm trying to show them what I expect and how to do it. But it's just, that's like when you have seven children (laughs) involved and you're trying to do that for the first time in a very systematic way, it's just a lot of kids and it's a lot of of teaching. (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, it's a lot of teaching. And so my sweet friend, um, she came over and she's chore training my kids Mm -hmm. for me. (laughs) She's got this little chart where she's going to certify them in each chore and show them every single step of you use gloves for this and you use this cleaner for that and you, you know, start do these steps. And I just, I could Mm -hmm. kiss her. I am so, so grateful because for whatever reason, I just haven't been able to tackle that, that calmly with that sense of mission and, you know, such clear instructions. Because once she left the first day, they were like, that was fun. (laughs) I mean, of course, it's because it's not their mom telling them to do something also helps. (laughs) But um, just how excited they were to feel successful at that. And um, Mm -hmm. so it was just really fantastic. And I think that we can very easily be sucked into the lie that we have to do more things in less time. And Mm -hmm. I just think 
part of what I want to offer my children in this time of their lives is space to explore and be curious and to wonder and to read books and to play. And part of making space for that means that we don't commit to a lot of extra things and we choose that Mm -hmm. on purpose. I think you bring up a good point about the home though, and how important it is to curate your space because I've been, I've been in situations in the past where I felt like I needed to leave the house to experience life. And that Mm -hmm. leads to a frenzied existence with babies and kids. And, uh, but when I, instead curated my, my space that I lived in and I enjoyed being in there, being here. And I enjoyed the things that I was seeing. Um, and stuff. Mm -hmm. it made it easier to stay home and I'm not naturally a person who's going to stay home all the time, but when you have so many children and, you know, you can't just go out to eat all the time. You can't, I can't take them to a park all the time by myself, you know, and so home it is. So it's like, if you're going to have a slower, more humble, you know, existence and not be out there all the time, the space that you're in needs to work and it needs to work for Mm -hmm. your family. I think that's, it's really important. I'm so happy to hear of the progress that you guys are making, Emily. I am too. It's really, it has been a much needed thing after this year. And they were all kind of just thrown in the deep end of, okay, everybody helps. And they're like, how do we do this? And, you know, they've tried and they've really brought their hearts to it, which has been Mm -hmm. a gift to watch. But I just, I feel like I myself still have questions about what's the best way to tackle this kind of job. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Our our lives have expanded so quickly since we first got married. I mean, think about 14 years and seven children yeah. and a couple moves in there and a few job changes. And it's just, I don't know. I still feel like I'm trying to catch my breath from all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh-huh. and yeah, so in the midst of this topic, I think that one of the things that I really had on my mind to share or talk about is how motherhood necessarily draws us to a place of humility, that there is a, a servant heartedness required to make it through the days just because things have to be done. They have to be done by someone. And a lot of times that is mom takes care of it. And yeah. that can be a little bit overwhelming when you come into motherhood and realize, oh, there are all these things that someone has to do. And that someone is me. And I know that for myself, I've had to come to terms with what I thought motherhood would be like and the reality of what it is. And, you know, it's, it's taken me a long time to really embrace that this isn't going to be more glamorous. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing to say out loud, but. Did you kind of think that like beforehand, did you kind of think that there'd be some level of glamour involved? Um, I don't know glamour. I mean, maybe that's not the right word. I I thought that I would be more in charge of my schedule. I thought I'd be more like able to just, okay, compartmentalize the kids go in this space and then, you know, these other things happen over here. And I just, I don't know, Mm -hmm. there's so much that I recognize now is way outside of my control. And we just have to go through the days as we can. 
Yeah. I mean, this is such a loaded question for me. I was thinking the same thing. Like it's a loaded topic because for like, as I approach this thing about humility, I'm all about humility. I'm so happy (laughs) that I have children that keep me humble and so on. But like the world will tell us something else. The world will say, you got to hustle more. You got to be out there more. You have to, you know, have the perfect this and all the stuff that we know is out there. You know, like the world isn't saying be humble. (laughs) And so like, it's a tricky conversation because I, like, as I'm coming to this table today, I'm thinking some of the most impactful moments for me are on the floor scrubbing scrambled eggs up after breakfast. And, and it teaches me my place. (laughs) And I know that sounds like really awful, right? Uh, From the world's perspective. No, your place isn't on the floor, you know, whatever, of course. But it does remind me that this is what I signed up for. And this is what motherhood is about. Well, and you're also demonstrating to your to your kids and to yourself that it's, there are lots of things in life that aren't really great. You know, that if you had the choice to not do something, you might choose not Mm -hmm. to do it, Mm -hmm. but yet Mm -hmm. it needs to get done. You know, these unglamorous, there's lots of unglamorousness in (laughs) life, (laughs) you know, and we just need to just, of course, it's like, well, yeah, my most important place is doing the hard work and saying yes to the yeah. stuff that I yeah. want to say no mm-hmm. to. And it's like that, that's very, very courageous work. Well, and I think that one reason why this topic draws my attention is because I think that there is a huge push in most circles that I see um, that are trying to encourage moms. And I mean, here we are, our own little mom community online trying to encourage moms. So I have zero judgment about anybody else's approach. But there is this sense of like, when you say that you're more than just a mom, and when you say, I don't know, I just I find myself kind of drawn by these ideas that I won't be stuck here forever Mm. (laughs) or like that. I, you know, Mm. kind of praying a little bit more on the drudgery of motherhood (laughs) that I'm just like, yes, it's hard, but it's also the most worthwhile thing Mm. I've ever done in my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't change one bit of the front row seat that I get to my kids' development. And, um, you know, I guess it's just, it's kind of, for me, the other side of the coin to all of the, you know, mom boss out there making a name for yourself situation that I support moms, I support their businesses, I support their dreaming and their, you know, what they are called to that might be outside of the home. But I just don't think that that has to come at the expense of seeing the value of a mother's role deeply invested in her family, hidden away where maybe her victories aren't seen or celebrated by anyone else. And I also Mm -hmm. think that the role of a servant, like if we look at the example of Jesus and the way he esteemed servant heartedness in place of someone who has a lot of power, has a lot of influence, or someone who has like maybe a high position in some regard that he esteemed those who gave of themselves and who put others before themselves. And I see mothers do that in their homes Mm -hmm. all the time. And I guess Mm -hmm. I just, it's something that has been really changing my thinking about 
how I spend my own time because I I want to spend my time in areas that matter for a lifetime and beyond as opposed to spend my time kind of hustling for what is right now, what is, you know, pursuit of success in a certain manner of speaking. And, and this is partly, I mean, just really honestly, because I, I am just now coming to terms with the fact that I had a near-death experience about yeah. a year ago. And as I process that experience, it's kind of like, well, what's important now <laughs> is very different than what was important to me before yeah. that happened. And yeah. I'm still really grappling with it because I have all of these dreams that I've carried with me for years now. And I'm kind of weeding through them going like, okay, this one, I don't know if this one really fits anymore. I don't know if this is what I long to do that, you know, what I really hope to do is, is supply a rich spiritual heritage, a rich childhood for my children that even if I don't have anything to show for my time in an accolade sort of perspective 20 years from now, that my investment will mm -hmm. speak for itself, you know, that, that my children and their flourishing and, and what they go on to do with their lives and, um, I guess in a real, in a real way, I am just, I'm kind of, I'm tired of feeling like I have to make a name for myself. I'm tired of feeling like yeah. I have to prove something that I've, I've got, I've got it, whatever it might be, or that I can do whatever yeah. the thing might be. And, um, you know, doesn't mean I won't do things. <laughs> I mean, I'm hosting a podcast <laughs> right now and that's pretty great, but I just feel like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> it's kind of hard to find the right words. Maybe you guys can help me out. Well, like if you were standing on the edge of a cliff and it was like only you yeah. and there's just wind whipping all around you and it's just you and the wide open beyond. It's like, it doesn't at that moment matter one bit what you've done in your life mm -hmm. or who you, who you impress or who you are to somebody. It's who you are just as a person without any other labels or mm -hmm. accolades, like you said, yeah. attached to you. Like you're not dragging that all yeah. along. You're just you standing in the middle mm -hmm. of the wide open. Yeah. And like that, that to me is just like what I think of when mm. I have these frenzied feelings of, mm -hmm. I just need to matter to someone. I need to matter to everyone almost, you know, where it's just like you have this insatiable addiction to this, like, I need to feel needed or I need to feel appreciated. I need to feel valued mm -hmm. when really I just need to look deep inside me and say, look, I'm already here. I'm a person. Mm -hmm. I'm flesh and blood. I, I value me like I have life and I value that. And I, it's, so it's like this turning inward mm -hmm. of rather than looking outward mm -hmm. for all of the validation that we need mm -hmm. or that we feel mm -hmm. that we need when it's already right inside us. We just have to turn mm -hmm. and see it and value it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the only part of that, that just a little bit doesn't totally jive for me <laughs> is that I I feel like where I am right now is 
I think that when you have a child, that there is an element of serving and growing and raising and investing and pouring into that child's life that requires faithfulness. And if it requires faithfulness, then it requires faithfulness to something. And I just like, I'm, I'm totally sorting through this for myself right now. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a criticism. It's just a realization in me that God has called me to this, that there is stuff that he has put in my care and that I am to be faithful to him and that he will determine whether I've succeeded at that or not. And, and so I feel like as I, as I choose to not look inward and I look to him to give me the vision for each day and give me, um, instructions as I just try to pray and listen and and take steps in wisdom as opposed to um I, I don't know if that makes sense but this is like, sure. it's, it's, a, it's like a different kind of looking outward mm-hmm. you're not really looking outward at other people yes. but you're looking outward well it's kind of like yeah. I mean looking up looking to God to yeah. help me understand what it is um I don't know. I feel like I'm getting a little bit lost in in my thoughts as I talk about this, but I just, I guess I wanted to say that, that raising children is an honor. Like it's something that not every woman gets to do. And it's, it's something that is profound and holy and amazing and is, is beyond ourselves. And I guess for myself, I just don't want to, ever get so caught up in all of the demands of everyday life mm-hmm. that I forget that. Absolutely. I was just like, it's like being connected to a higher purpose. Yeah. And we need to, we need to have that connection mm-hmm. to feel like we have hope and faith in what's ahead of us yeah. to, to keep walking and to keep doing the hard job. You know, it's like, otherwise you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And you find every reason to, to like bag out on it, you know, so part, part of the humility for me as a mom is that absolute, um, stark realization that I cannot do it all. Like that at the end of the day, my hands are just, I'm just, they're open and I'm done. Like, Mm -hmm. this is Mm -hmm. all I have. That's all I could give. And for me, humility comes by saying, I can't do it all. And God, can you please fill in the gaps? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I remember a few years ago, I was having a lot of trouble with uh, behavior from one of my kids and I was doing everything. I mean, I was reaching out to friends. I was praying. I was reading the Bible. I was like really doing everything. And I had a very sweet and trusted friend say to me, but Lynn, at some point, he's just who he is and you're not mm-hmm. responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And right. I felt like a sucker punch a little bit because I'm like, yes, I am responsible for him, <laughs> Yeah, you know, but in yeah. the end it was, it was literally the, the humility of saying, oh, right. I can't change another person. Can't change him. He, you know, God has yeah. created him the way he did. He saw fit and there's humility in saying, all right, God, you have the rest. And that yeah. is all I can offer right now. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, this is such a, a deep and personal topic, as we've already discussed. And um, because we have to close out our time, even though I'd love to talk about this for an hour, <laughs> um, I just, I think the beauty of a humble life, what I want to say about that is that 
there are a lot of things about motherhood that are challenging that can be difficult. Um, and I just, I don't want us to miss what God gives us as gifts. If we will pause and listen and take in the season that we're in, there's a a essay that we put up on the blog in August. It was called, we won't pass this way again. Mm -hmm. Even the title just gives me chills because when we really recognize that the season that we're in with our kids is the only one of its kind that we will have. And I guess I just want us as moms to take a few minutes to really think about um, what is lovely about the child in our care or all of them, if we have many, um, what is lovely about them in this season and just treasure those things and to see that the investment that we're making in our kids' lives is worth the effort and worth the struggle and worth the tears, if you have tears like I do. (laughs) And um, just that I, I don't think that we can underestimate the powerful influence that we have in our nurturing and our pouring love into their lives and to teaching them about truth and goodness and beauty. And so I just want to say good job, mamas. Mm-hmm. And, For um, sure. and also just, you know, don't be afraid of being humbled. I think yeah, it's a hard thing to experience, but it also comes with many beautiful gifts. Today, I'm really blessed to be introducing you to a wonderful author named Shannon Martin. She is the author of Falling Free and the Ministry of Ordinary Places, two wonderful books. And today we're going to be talking about our new series on Kindred Mom, which is The Beauty of a Humble Life. And so Shannon, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm really glad to have you and would love for you to begin by just giving us a snapshot into your life and your family and the stage of motherhood that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been married to my husband, Corey, for 20 years. We just had our 20th anniversary this summer. And mm-hmm. we we have four kids. All of our kids came to us through adoption. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of I'll run down the lineup real quick here. Yeah. <laughs> We have um, Calvin, who's 14, Mm -hmm. adopted from South Korea. And then Ruby is 13. She was adopted domestically. Mm -hmm. Um, Silas is, he will be 11 Mm -hmm. in about a week. Mm -hmm. And he was also brought home from South Korea. And then our our most recent addition is Robert, Mm -hmm. and he is 25. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of grew up in the Chicago area. Mm. Um, And he came into our family about six years ago when he was 19. Mm, Wonderful. I know that that is such an unconventional way to grow your family, but so beautiful. And I, I just really welcome your perspective as we jump into this topic, because I think you have had unique experiences that have caused you to look at motherhood and really your life in a different way, especially as I've gone through your book, The Ministry of Ordinary Places, which I would highly recommend to anyone who would love to be touched at the soul level (laughs) about the beauty of ordinary things. Um, I'd love for you to just talk about how your perspective has been changed or shaped by your adoption journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I look back on 
adoption as sort of being the the doorway that opened into us starting to understand that God really does build families in unique and beautiful and unconditional. We struggled through infertility at the time that we were ready to start our family. It's just not something that we Mm -hmm. had planned on. I don't think many people imagine that their life will be touched by infertility. And when ours was, you know, at the time, we didn't know to see it as a gift, but now we sort of we see that as, you know, the time when we were handed the gift of infertility, because, you know, one thing that I continue to learn throughout life is that a lot of gifts, they are, they are meant to draw us closer to the Lord. They're meant for our holiness, really, but they, they, Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that they are um, completely happy or things that we might ask for, or, you know, that they would not cause us some pain along the way. And, you know, we just see that thread running through our life and through the lives of our neighbors is that, is that many things that God uses um, to draw us closer to him come with some pain and comes come with some sorrow. So in particular, our one of our adoptions just, you know, it was it was just a challenge. It was just harder than the others. And it was, you know, we watched our, our youngest, we just really watched him grieve. And and that was that was the maybe the first time that I really, really understood what it looked like to walk into somebody else's pain, where I think prior to that, I had just been conditioned as a human to avoid pain, to walk as, as far around mm-hmm. it as I possibly could. And when it's, when it's your child, <laughs> you know, you just suddenly realize that there's just, there's no other option yeah. but to walk into the center of that pain and sit in it and sort of yeah. build your, build your tent there and, and wait for the long haul and, and wait for, yeah the the light to kind of crack through some of that sadness and it's been a long journey but it's learning that lesson has been the surprise of our life and that we had no idea how useful that would be in our life moving forward and just in the life that we live now which I write about this a lot in in the ministry of ordinary places and in my first book falling free but just this idea of making our home in humble places making our home in low places and a lot of times that means that we encounter pain mm-hmm. we encounter the suffering of the people near us and so i look back into yeah. history and and into silas's arrival into our family and i'm i'm just grateful that that you know, we were able to to start to understand what it might look like and the ways that we might carry that lesson into all of our life, really. Mm-hmm. So for us, adoption has just been, it's been beautiful. It's been a surprise. It's been um, an opportunity for us to really understand that we are not in control. Like we often try to, to think that we are mm-hmm. and... Yeah, I mean, we just, this is our family and, you know, these kids are, they're ours and they're precious to us and life is hard and it's fun and it's chaotic and it's wonderful and it's Mm -hmm. just, it's all the things. And, and I just, I, I'm grateful all the time. We talk all the time at home and remind our kids often that God builds families in all different kinds of ways. And, and there isn't one way that is better than another. Yeah, that's really, really beautiful. And I have been reading through the book, um, 
um, the Ministry of Ordinary Places. And I know that so much of the backdrop of this is your family moving from maybe a more affluent area than where you have landed. And now you're in closer proximity to like a lot of brokenness that's very overt and poverty and just a lot of suffering and struggle. And I guess for me, as I've gone through this, because our audience is primarily mothers, um, most of Uh which have children under, I would say, 10 years old, that I just love the parallels between um, your conclusions you draw about what God has been showing you in kind of that more humble community, humble space and all of the gifts and the beauty there. Um, Because I think it's so easy for us as moms with little ones who are in the throes of a lot of self-sacrificial time of being up through the night and dealing with small but kind of big problems as we try to mother little ones. And there's just one quote um, early in the book where you talk about um, being surprised when rather than changing your heart that pounds for beauty, that God was slowly changing your lenses and restoring your vision to see what he had always intended, that the world around you was waiting to take your breath away. And I would love for you to just talk about how you have awakened to seeing things differently and not just gravitating towards being insulated or being, um, you know, apart from struggle and hardship. Yeah. So eight years ago, which it's so hard for me to believe that it's, that sounds longer than it feels. (laughs) You know how time works, especially when you're in the thick of motherhood. Um, Yeah. Eight years ago, my family moved from the farmhouse of our dreams. And so we had, Mm. we lived out in the country. It was a rural setting. It was the sort of setting that now I see so many people, um, especially online, you know, and on social media and just in online spaces, we see so many people moving towards that, you know, this sort of this quiet life and this beautiful land and, you know, restoring an old farmhouse and it's quaint and it's peaceful and it's safe. And it's all Mm. of these things that, that we, we go looking for. And, Mm -hmm. and that's where my family lived. We lived outside of a tiny little village, um, it was it was very homogenous, very very much a reflection of us, which would have been. And when I say us, I mean my husband and I. So it was right. it was it was white. It was middle class. It was um, conservative politically. It was um, very a very religious community. It was in almost every way just a mirror image of of who we sort of were at that time, right. and. And, and we just started to feel the pull out of that bubble that we honestly didn't even know we were under. You know, it's, right. it, we just took it for granted. It's all we had ever known throughout even our childhoods were very similar. And we did land in a community not at all far away. So maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12 miles away. We didn't move far. Mm-hmm. But into a very ordinary and slightly shabby, you know, a low income, very diverse um, in terms of ethnicity and status and, you know, all of these things. Um, Mm -hmm. Just a a very, very ordinary place. And I say ordinary now. What I would have said eight years ago is that, yeah, you know, it was just, it was a bit broken down, um, a bit, you know, not something that, that most people like me would have seen as beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and so what has happened over time is we've continued to just make our home here, put our roots down here, 
connect and keep our lives as small as possible so that we're really living in community with the people who are closest to us. That that's mm-hmm. kind of become our goal along the way. Yeah. And that's, you know, our, our life is, is very local. It's, it's all kind of, you know, our church and our school and our doctor's offices and, Mm -hmm. you know, my, I have a day job now. I mean, everything is just, it's very close to home. Um, just in a, in a context where on paper, most of the people that I see on a given day wouldn't look like I have a lot of, a lot in common with them, Mm -hmm. you know, so we're just, we are in close proximity with folks who we have a lot to learn from and people who are living at the margins and struggling in so many ways. But, you know, what I would say right now, eight years in, Mm -hmm. that it might be the biggest thing that I'm seeing and learning continually is that in so many ways, this is, you know, we, we think of this sort of place as, as having a lot of brokenness and in some ways it it does, but in so many other ways, this place is more whole than anywhere I've ever lived because people here are just living very honestly. You know, there's no, there's no pretense. There's no masquerade. There's no mask. I mean, everybody is just holding, they're holding their struggles and their conflicts and their their joys and their celebrations. We're just holding it all together mm-hmm. with open hands. We're looking at each other and asking for help. And we are, um, you know, we're, we're giving and receiving hospitality and we are bearing burdens with each other and we're celebrating mm-hmm. together. And I just, you know, it's easy to look for the problems that exist here and you don't have to look hard to find right. them. But, but what I see more and more is just the beauty. I see the face of God. I see God's presence here, not because we brought him yeah. here, but because he was already just wildly at work here. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just been, you know, I could just go on and on. It's my favorite thing to talk yeah. about. I'm, I'm so grateful for the ways God has shown himself to us through my neighbors and just through these low and humble places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just love to, there are so many things throughout your book that as I, I mean, I'm not living in a similar place at this point. I'm in the middle of Seattle, which is bustling and lots of things are going on. But I am in this really humble home with seven children. <laughs> and it's just yeah, a, a very, right. uh, I, I never imagined myself to be here. I mean, years ago, I probably would have said, you know, we could have a couple kids and then I'm going to go make my plans and do all the big things out there in the world. And God yeah. just continually brings me back to this humble place doing these humble chores around the house and things that don't seem like they're really making all that much difference in the world, but it does make a huge difference in my individual children's lives to be present and available for them. And so I just love all the threads of your thoughts through recognizing the beauty in those humble places that you are getting to know your neighbors and learning how to carry the, the sorrows and the just the hardships that your neighbors have been experiencing. I would love for you to just talk about how it has been for you parenting your children Mm -hmm. in the midst of this new, I mean, it's not new now that you're eight years in, but in this newer community, how that has changed or shifted. Yeah. You know, I, I I want to touch on one quick Mm -hmm. thing and, and I love what you shared about your life. And I think that's kind of the beauty 
of God's mm-hmm. goodness is that wherever mm-hmm. we are, whatever our life looks like, whatever our neighborhood or our context or our family or, our, you know, the way we spend our day to day, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like, that is our ordinary. And so my ordinary looks different from your ordinary. But for both of us sitting here, we're just kind of like, this is just our life. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's nothing fancy and it's nothing flashy. And it's it might be even a little bit boring mm-hmm. sometimes. Um when I got to that place of, of recognizing, yeah, this is, this is just a new kind of normal. This is a new kind of ordinary. I mean, that's when I kind of knew that I was home, you know? So wherever we go, whatever we're doing, we, we get to that place of recognizing this is my ordinary life. And, and the task at that point becomes, can we see God's goodness right here? Can we believe that that there's work for us to do and things for us to learn right here? So I love that you shared a little bit about about yeah. just the different contexts that you're in. Um, and so to answer your question, I mean, parenting has been central yeah. to this journey because, you know, as you know, when you're a parent, you just never, you, you're never not a parent. And so when we moved to the neighborhood eight years ago, Robert was not a part of our family yet. And so at the time we had... Mm-hmm. Calvin going into second grade, we had Ruby starting kindergarten and we had Silas starting preschool. So mm-hmm. we had little kids and and that was a huge part of maybe some of the um, tension behind this move was that, you know, there was this sense, especially from people around us, people mm-hmm. who love us, people who love our kids of, you know, why in the world would you be putting your kids through this? Why would you be, you know, taking them to a neighborhood that that might be seen as you know, whether fairly or not, Mm -hmm. it might be seen as more dangerous, um, you know, taking them out of a thriving, you know, one of the top rated public schools and placing them into a failing public school. There were just all of these layers that made it seem a bit risky and a bit uncertain. And, you know, we just, we believed in our hearts and we believe still that when, when God calls us, you know, as a couple, Corey and myself, when he calls us into um, a different place or a different journey, he's calling all of us. And so it wasn't so much that our mm-hmm. kids were just kind of along for the ride and hopefully they're going to be okay. You know, we just, we really believed that this was a calling on all of us equally and, and on them in particular, on them specifically. And, and we, in so many ways, just watch them lead us in what it looks like to, Mm -hmm. to live as a neighbor, what it looks like to build friendship among people who you might Mm -hmm. on the outside, not look like you have a lot in in common with, um, you know, kids just Mm -hmm. do that. They just, they, they don't care. They're not bothered or upset by all of the things that we allow ourselves to be tripped up by. They're not overthinking it. They are. They just want to play. They just want to have somebody to play with. They want somebody to get sweaty with and run around the yards with and ride bikes with. And and my kids just got right to work. So they they went to work building friendship with the our next door neighbors who mm-hmm. at the time in particular we had a serious language barrier with. And Corey and I were just here kind of, you know, clutching our pearls, like, what are we going to do? How are we ever going to communicate? How are we ever going to learn to be neighbors with people when we don't speak the same language? And meanwhile, our kids are just out playing with their kids. Um, You know, they didn't, they didn't let themselves um, get tripped Mm -hmm. up by that. And that was, 
that was and continues to be a lesson for me. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really special for me to watch my kids grow. You know, now I've got, we're in that year where we're, we've got one in high school, one in middle school, one in elementary school. So they're all in different buildings. We're doing that that run around, that hustle every morning and every afternoon, but they've just come so far. And, and what I hope more than anything else is that, you know, I, I sort of grew up with this idea and I don't know that Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was never overtly said to me. I'm sure I wasn't taught this in so many words, but I I was just Mm -hmm. raised with this idea that there were good people Mm -hmm. and there were bad people and that I was one of the good ones. And and I, you know, I, I don't know that I carried that with a ton of bravado or pride, mm-hmm. but quietly it, it existed in my heart and in my mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I learned to kind of separate people into different categories. And, and I hope that my kids are learning that they're just, you know, we're just, there's no us in them. There's just us. And so we've got yeah. good things going for us and we're, we're making mistakes and, you know, we're all loved by God. We all bear the image of God and we're all messing up yeah. continuously. You know, I hope that that's what they're learning more yeah. than anything else. Well, and I wonder if you, I mean, there's kind of a, a trend, I think, especially on social media that some people call the professionalization of motherhood or the idea that everything we do has to be mastered and done perfectly, meal planning, cooking, our personal style, decorating our home. And just from your experience, I'm wondering um, how you navigate those tensions and keep your focus on the things that matter most to you as a family. I think living in, in the neighborhood has taught me in ways that I did not understand previously in my life on the farm. You know, when when I'm living in very close proximity, like kind of smashed up against people who are struggling for survival, they're struggling to pay rent, they're struggling to um, move out of addiction, they're struggling to rebuild their lives Mm -hmm. after incarceration, and on and on it goes. I think it was just an almost shockingly immediate awareness that, you know, the things that I had maybe focused on or the things that I felt like, like you said, like we just, we feel this pressure that we've got to, we've got to do all these little areas right when you suddenly see people who are just struggling to feed their kids, <laughs> that is a perspective changer. And, and in so many ways, you know, when we arrived in the neighborhood, I just, I remember feeling just palpable relief that I couldn't even quite put my finger on. And I think, I think you're touching on some of that relief was that I suddenly understood in a way that I had not before that I did not it's like it took the pressure off. You know, I'm watching the people around me and I'm, I'm, I'm getting to know them and they're getting to know me. And suddenly it doesn't mm-hmm. matter at all if my child goes off to kindergarten in a perfectly coordinated outfit. In fact, mm-hmm. in fact, it's probably better for her and for her ability to be in solidarity and in kinship with her friends. If yeah. she, if she heads off to school, um, a bit mismatched and, you know, wearing some yeah. sort of rough and tumble thing, it's just these, that's, that's just one silly example, but, you know, suddenly nobody cared if my lawn was kept perfectly and nobody cared if I looked presentable at all times in public mm-hmm. and nobody cared if I was, you know, providing for 
or three square, you know, healthy meals to my kids every day. It just, it helped to reorient my perspective on, on what it means to, to parent and to, to honestly parent kids who are from hard places, because I think every kiddo who is adopted comes from a hard place. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started to understand, and this is something that, again, I just, I have it plastered on my living room wall where I see it every day, but, but my goal as a mom became that I wanted my kids to go to bed at night knowing that they were safe and they were loved. Hmm. And that's it. That was the sum total. You know, I, I, I could allow myself to walk away from some of these other things that we sort of put on motherhood and not that they're bad things, but you know, they just, they didn't need to be the focus. And if I didn't execute these things perfectly, if I didn't succeed at them, I could still go to bed feeling like I have done my job today. My kids know that they're safe and they know that they're loved and that is enough. Yeah, I really love that. And, you know, we celebrate motherhood. Kindred Mom is all about celebrating motherhood and really not just that you have children or that you're a superstar mom, but that we stay in the race and stay engaged with our kids no matter what kind of day we've had. You know, things could have been upside down, could have been all sideways, every which direction. Absolutely. You know, just... (laughs) Ending the day well, especially just with a hug and a tuck in and um, just trying to put to rest where there have been hurt feelings and you know difficult experiences from the day. I think so much about motherhood really is about um, coming face to face with humility and what that looks like, <laughs> because yeah. I know for myself, I've had to own my mistakes and apologize when I've yelled and um, things that we don't really like to talk about as openly because then our cracks will show and our, uh, you know, the ugly stuff might just be out there a little bit for people to see. But I do feel like moms need to know that they're not the only person struggling through all of the things that we carry as moms that we're trying to absorb from our kids, their hurts and their hardships and what they're struggling through to learn and to grow new skills. And so I'd just love to hear just your advice for especially moms of younger kids who are just really feeling like they're in the trenches of everything, Mm -hmm. um, how they can approach this role that they're in uh, without letting it break their spirit. Yeah. You know, the night that you described a moment ago of just, you know, you, you try to put the hard things behind you and and, in the night with apologies when necessary and hugs and all those things, that was the night I just had last night. (laughs) And I feel like we have a lot of those around here, if I'm being honest. I mean, my, my family, and I try to talk about this online whenever I can. I mean, I don't often feel like I have created a super peaceful and smoothly running home. I feel like Mm -hmm. there's always somebody in turmoil. There's always somebody mouthing off. There's Mm -hmm. always me somewhere reacting in ways that I that I should not be reacting. I mean, this is life. And I agree. It's just not stuff that we talk about. And then we all end up feeling alone. And so I just, you know, I I think so often of the fact that we know as as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, that his mercies are new every morning. And I, I even take that a step further and, and hold tightly to the fact that his mercies are new every minute. And, and, and I just, I, I carry that. I need that. I need to be reminded that, you know, we are 
to some extent, we're pretty ill-equipped for the job. And I think that's, that puts us right where we need to be. You know, I think it's, I think it's good to live in, and operate in a, in such a way that we cannot solve all of our own problems to live and to parent Mm -hmm. in such a way that we are just constantly aware that we are not in control and, you know, try though we may to manage behavior and, you know, homework and dinner and laundry and all these things that we have that seem so small, but they just, they add up to our life. You know, these are, these are the days, these are the actual days. Um, And that we can just, you know, we can, we can apologize and we can ask for help. We can lean on the strength of the Lord to get us through those hours between dinner and bedtime, especially when you have little kids. I remember I remember. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's just reminding ourselves that it is not a bad thing to feel needy, to feel like we can't quite handle this on our own. I think that's sort of the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, maybe circling out a bit from there. I, I just cannot, I can't speak highly enough to finding a way, finding a place, no matter where we live, no matter what our context is like, to find a way to situate our lives. And I know that especially moms of young kids, like we don't have a lot of free time and schedules make things hard, but to find ways to introduce our kids to people whose lives do not look like their own, Mm -hmm. um, to orient our kids' lives around people who, who are lacking um, maybe you know they're they're lacking economically. I mean they're they're at the margins in one way or the other. To find a way to allow our lives to to kind of rub up against those lives, not in a way that we're there to to fix anything or to solve anything, but to just find solidarity and kinship and relationship with people who our lives might not otherwise interact with. I just think it is, it changes the perspective in really beautiful ways. Yeah. Yeah. There's one quote from your book that I'd love to read with your permission. And um, it's from the We Are All Mothers chapter. And you said, we are life givers, each of us, in ways both wild and vast. Our title as mother isn't defined by biology or science. It can't be measured in centimeters or the arc of a curve. Mothering is a thing all women do with the small and big kids under our care, the neighborhood boys up the street, our students, our grown nieces, the children we can only hold in our hearts, and the ones we don't even know yet to hope for. What I'm trying to say is that none of us is off the hook here. Humanity is crying out to be nurtured. And this quote just really reached me at at the heart. And I think one thing that I have struggled through in my adult life as a mother of many children is that I myself still very much long to be nurtured and find that, you know, God brings about that nurture in a variety of ways through women around me, through, um, I mean, there's so many ways that are intangible. I would love for you to just talk about how nurturing, I mean, I just, I can't help but make the connection between nurturing and humility um, and the beauty of a humble life having to do with a deep investment in the small, seemingly 
ordinary or unimportant things that are absolutely not unimportant. I would love for you to just share your thoughts on that idea of nurturing and what that looks like practically in a daily life of of a mom, wherever, whatever season she might be in. Yeah. I mean, I I think we are, we really are all longing to be nurtured. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that we all are nurturers. I mean, this is, this is part of the character of God Mm -hmm. and it's a part of God's character that we don't talk about often. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we don't, we don't tend to, to think about God maybe so much as a nurturer, almost, you know, mothering us in some ways. And, and so I, you know, it takes it, it takes this idea of nurturing outside of this, this role of a mom and her biological children, and suddenly it expands it into what if we, what if that's the posture that we just kind of lived our lives from, mm-hmm. that we were, that we were attentive to the people around us who needed to be nurtured, mm-hmm. and that we were available when those opportunities passed us, you know, came across our paths. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the thing. I think. I think we are constantly being, um, you know, our schedules that we might be seeing, we might sort of see our schedules as being interrupted by, you know, different circumstances or different things that came up, but rather than seeing them as an interruption and seeing them as an opportunity to offer somebody some nurturing, I just think that we would be surprised by, by how often those opportunities are available to us Mm -hmm. and the ways that they, the ways that they nurture us in the process. Right. You know, it's almost kind of like this this circle that just keeps going that we offer nurturing to others and then we are nurtured back mm-hmm. and you know there's just something about empathy and compassion for the people near us and receiving compassion in whatever form it arrives mm-hmm. um that that just changes it changes who we are and it's just desperately needed um so you know i'll just i'll give you a basic example mm-hmm. because you asked about just you know these the daily and that's what i'm interested that's really the only thing i'm interested <laughs> in talking about in this conversation yeah. is like but what does this look like in actual daily yeah. life you know when we've all got things to do and people, you know, kids to round up and that sort of thing. I was, it was early this morning and I was making tea in my kitchen and my living room windows face out to the street. My husband was still here. He was just getting ready to leave for work. The kids were all gone. Mm -hmm. And we saw two of our neighbor boys, two of our favorite neighbor boys walk past. And I said, Oh, the boys are, they're coming. (laughs) They're coming for us. And because sometimes, you know, people miss the bus or whatever, we get all kinds of things yeah. here. And and it, it, there was a beat and nothing happened. And then a s- split second later, sure enough, they, they kind of very cautiously, quietly knocked on the door. And, and, you know, what, what it ended up being was that they didn't need anything from us. They did not need a ride. Yeah. Um, they didn't need anything. They were just, they saw us in here. They were checking in. And so we just kind of stood there in the on the little front porch and asked, like, how did your football game go last mm-hmm. night? And what is your brother going to be up to today? Mm-hmm. And how's school going? And then after a couple minutes, just like, OK, you guys need to scoot down the road or you're going to be late to mm-hmm. school. And then as they were walking down the sidewalk, I just yelled out to them, we're proud of you. And they yelled back, thank you. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a, it was, you know, the whole encounter was maybe five minutes long. But if I have the opportunity to just pause what I'm doing, look somebody in the eye and talk to yeah. them 
and and can throw in while I'm at it, like, and I love you, or we're proud of you, or we're, we're with you, or for you. That's just work that we can all do, yeah. no matter where we live. And we don't have to limit that to the kids that we see as like, you know, air quotes, our kids. Yeah. Um, but we can just lavish that on the people around us. Yeah. Well, I really love how practical that is. And what a heartwarming story. I just love talking with you. I loved this book of yours, especially about um, just listening and being attentive and connecting with the people right around us. Um, so I really appreciate that you spent all the time you did writing it. And thanks for sharing thank with you. our community. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I love chatting. I would really love for people to be able to find you online. So if you don't mind giving a quick rundown of where they can find you and follow up. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the best place to find me is Instagram and, and or Twitter. I'm on both. I love both. And I'm at Shannon Writes. And it's Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-A-N. So you can find me on both of those platforms. I'm on them most days. I'm sharing my ordinary life. I also have a website that is kind of like a central place where you can, I don't blog a lot on there anymore, but you can sign up for my email newsletters there. And that's the place where I share most, most vulnerably, I guess, with folks these days. And, and yeah, that's, you can find me there at shannonmartinwrites.com. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook and you can find my books on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Wonderful. Well, I will make sure that all of that is linked in the show notes for this episode. And Shannon, thank you so very much. Thank you. Have a great day. 